And I love that when you make space for him, where he's honored, he comes. And that's, is that me? That's something that we value in, in this family, this church family, is God's presence. And I found myself just in this last song, just crying out, saying, God, we must have you. We must have you. It's so good. So good. say I'd try not to move too much, but we all know that's not going to happen. I want to share just a a little thing with you this morning. Um, About six weeks ago, I was just kind of praying and, and listening to the Lord, and I heard him say this to me, I want you positioned in the yes. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I want you positioned in the yes. And this is, I just kept hearing this from the Lord. It's the only thing that he would tell me. And uh, so I was just like, I I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, And so just kind of in my response, you know, I did the natural thing. I just sort of said, you know, I will say yes. I will say yes, Lord. I, I will say yes to you. You know, I mean, think about if, if the Lord tells you, I want you positioned in the yes, and you're trying to respond to his voice, what are you going to say? Yes, right? So I was like, yes, Lord, whatever you say, yes, I will do. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, but I just, um, I just had this nagging sense that there was something much deeper to that statement from the Lord. And so uh, today I just want to kind of invite you in my journey of discovery uh, that I've been on for the last several weeks, diving into God's word and just going, what, what, what does this idea mean? What, what is p- being positioned in the yes even mean? So I've just kind of been like exploring and unpacking it. And so I'm just going to like have you guys kind of come along with me uh, on where I've been with the Lord, because I think it's for, for everybody. So I am the kind of person that if I, if I hear the Lord say something, even if it's something, a word that I know, I always just look it up in the dictionary because that seems like a good place, right? Like if you're trying to really understand what God's saying, I'm a word person, so I just go to the dictionary because sometimes a word can come alive. Now, yes is pretty easy to define, right? Yes means yes. Uh, the only definition in the dictionary that I was looking at just says an affirmative. But I kind of like that. That the definition of yes is an affirmative. And I also like that it sounds, you know, so official, like affirmative, you know, like spy language or something like I should say affirmative over a walkie talkie or something. I like that. Um, So first, I just kind of started by diving into scripture. So in my little search thing, I just put yes. Now, you know that there's all kinds of yeses that come up in the Bible because, you know, people are saying yes. I am him. Yes, I will do that. Yeah, you know, you have the the response. But what I began to see 
really moved me when you, when you just search the word yes. So, I mean, it, it kind of starts with like, you know, yes, I'm confirming my covenant. Yes, I will give you the land. You know, I will praise God. Yes, I will praise him. Yes, God will bless us. Uh, yes, you have been with me since birth. You know, there's just all of, and in addition to all of the random yeses that just mean like when the guy said, are you his wife? And she says, yes, you know, there's those two. But when you get into uh, like the, the prophets, the prophet books, listen to these yeses in scripture. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. I, the Lord, have dictated these soldiers for this task. Yes, I have called mighty warriors to to do it. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? For the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. And I could go on and on and on and on. And those kind of caught my attention because there was such depth to him. And it was the Lord speaking. And so it's kind of like this statement of truth that's made, followed by an affirmative and a repeat of God, I, yes, I, the living God, am this. Yes, I, I'm going to do this. Yes, I will do this. And so that like kind of triggered my brain to think, oh, that's really fascinating. If you think about being positioned in the yes, it's not just in the lip service at the beginning of your statement of saying, hey, I'm going to do this. But if you're positioned in the yes, then it's, I'm going to do this. Yes, I will do this. But then I, I, I went to the scripture, which is the first one that was kind of on my heart. And since second Corinthians, some of you may know it. We don't have it on the screen, so you'll have to get your Bibles out. Funny story. I just want to say it's really embarrassing to be preaching at a conference. Let's say a women's conference and forget your Bible. And so you're thinking, I have an iPhone. My Bible can be this, right? It can, except for when you happen to be in the mountains of Riadosa and you want to change to a new scripture on your iPhone that doesn't have any service, you can't. So uh, funny story that happened to me a few weeks ago in the middle of my message. I was tracking along. Somebody had to bring me their Bible from the audience in the middle of my, in the middle of my preaching. So whatever. It's all good, right? It just happens sometimes. 
It happens sometimes. You know, I heard, I heard people say afterwards that it really helped uh, reiterate my point of sometimes you can look like you're all together, but that doesn't mean that you really have it all together. So I just thought, thank you, Jesus. You know, if they just needed to see that I might look like I've got it together, but I didn't even bring my Bible to this retreat, then I'm praying that the Lord used it to minister to people. Second Corinthians 1, 17 through 20. Paul is writing this letter. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think that I am like the people of this world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, my word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. This is good scripture right here. So I want to propose to you that being positioned in the yes means several things. One, that you're positioned in the affirmative. In other words, when I say yes, my yes needs to, to, to mean yes, just like Paul is talking about. Because we see people all the time, the world, we say yes, but we really mean no, right? Or you say no and you really mean yes. But really what the Lord wants us as believers to live in is have our yes be a yes. There's no wavering between yes and no. There's an, there's an unwavering resolve to say yes to the things of God. So there's that part of it. And then there's also a, a second part of it about just being positioned in Jesus, who is the ultimate yes. So when I, when I think about the statement that the Lord said, be positioned in the yes, I'm like, maybe I should just be positioned in Jesus and in the finished work of his cross and all that that means for me and everyone around me. Because if I'm living from the ultimate yes, it says that all of God's promises are yes through the sacrifice of Jesus, then that means I'm living in a place where I recognize the full work of God. That means that I don't have to be stuck in shame. It means that we can see supernatural healing, supernatural favor, supernatural resources released when we're living from that place. And sometimes what we need, we just need a revelation of the work done on the cross. Again. And then that certainty of that revelation causes us to join in with Christ's yes by saying amen, which means yes. So it's still him doing the work in us. Being positioned in the yes. I mean, can you think about if we lived like that, what does that mean for everyone around me? 
If I'm positioned in the yes at the grocery store, then I'm tapped into what God is doing there. And that means that if I'm going to pray for somebody, I can see them healed. Because what is God's answer to healing? Yes. It means that we can see people led to Jesus. Because what is God's answer to that? Yes. All of God's promises are yes through Jesus. And we get to join in when we have that revelation by saying Amen, which means yes. And then the third position is just in a position of surrender. Because here's the deal. If you're going to live in a place saying yes, that means that I have to surrender to myself and be okay with it, whatever God is telling me. And I don't always like that. I mean, anybody else? If you're going to be positioned in the yes, which means that you're just there, you're in it, you are positioned for it saying, yes, God, whatever you want to do today in me, around me, whatever you want to say, I'm saying yes. It's an invitation to a life of surrender, a life laid down for Jesus. And sometimes he's going to stretch you. I'll I'll share another story from the women's retreat. Um, We had this guest speaker, and so she wanted. She was talking about activating people, which is like one of my least favorite things on the planet. So someday I'm going to do it in a sermon and make all of you share in my suffering. Uh, But you know, it's like where she's talking about. Uh, Everybody, everybody can prophesy. You hear what God is saying, and you say it, and and whatever. And so impromptu, I'm just sitting on the front row minding my own business. And she calls uh, the two ladies that are with her up. And she said, Ashley, just go ahead and come on up too. And I'm like, what are we doing? You know, but I'm, I'm living in the yes, right? Positioned in the yes. So I got up there and I stood there and she's talking and then she starts telling him, okay, now these ladies are just going to grab the mic and they're going to start prophesying over you right now. And I'm like, oh no. Like, can I go sit down? I don't want to be activated. I don't, I don't, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. And so uh, the other two went first and I thought, are you kidding me right now? And I'm standing up here in front of like, you know, 120 ladies and you're going to hand me the microphone and say, here, why don't you just prophesy real quick? Like, huh, Okay. So, you know, the other ladies are sharing. I'm like, okay, God, you got to give me something here, you know. <laughs> you know, you go into your emergency prayer language or something. Um, so I, I get, so she hands me the mic and I, and I share this word, this picture that I got. It was beautiful uh, from the Lord and uh, people actually responded to it. It was great. Um, but part, this word was... Um, talking about God breathing, breathing life back on people. And I have this moment of pause. I'm sharing the word and I hear, I just, I just sense like the Lord's like, you know, just, just go ahead and breathe in the microphone. And I'm like, I, I'm just standing there. And like, I look back to the guest speaker. She's like, you're going to blow in the mic, aren't you? And I'm like, Bruh. so, you know, I'm just like, okay, so I'm just going to do this. Like, you know, And I was like, good. And so I was like, all right, positioned in the yes. So I'm just going to do whatever God's telling me, even if it's crazy. And, and people like started responding. They were like, whoa. And she's like, do it again. I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) She's like, no, I think it's good. So I was like, you know, 
And she's like, no, no, like, I think you need to blow again. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. Like, I just, like, I stepped out of the yes and handed her the mic and went and sat down. I was like, I'm over it. Like, I did my part. You made me prophesy. I breathed into the mic twice. God is moving. We're good. And, uh, and so she took the mic and she started blowing in it. And then he really showed up and did all kinds of stuff. I share this story not to make you think that I'm super weird, but... Because sometimes God does things and, sh- and tells us to do things that are outside of our grid and that are way outside of our comfort zone. I don't want to be the lady blowing in the mic. But here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. If God says blow in the mic because that lady's heart is going to be set free when you do. Then I'm going to have to do it because I'm positioned in the yes. Because it's a life of surrender before the Lord. And when he comes on us and makes us do crazy things, like praying for somebody in public that's not the church building, or releasing something or whatever it is, whatever is outside of our comfort zone. When you're positioned in the yes, you do it. Even if it's only half-heartedly at first and then you wimp out and make somebody else finish your job. You do it. When we live here, not only are we operating as heaven really intended, but I believe that we're planting seeds for future generations to walk in the same posture. Because a life laid down becomes a stepping stone for a future generation to do the same thing. And there's an example that I want to share that's blowing my mind this week, you guys. Exodus 2. It's a story of Moses. So what has happened is uh, God's people, the Israelites, are living in Egypt, and they are slaves uh, to the Egyptians. And uh, Pharaoh, which is like the evil king, is realizing that like this population is going to get out of control. And if they ever realize that, they could totally overtake us. So what are we going to do about this? So he comes up with the grand plan of let's kill every baby boy that's born. Great. So he calls in the, the Israel midwives and he just says, here's the deal. When you, when you deliver a baby, if it's a boy, you kill it. If it's a girl, you let it live. Of course, the Israelite midwives fear the Lord. So they're like, we ain't doing that. You know, and then, and then Pharaoh gets mad. He calls them in. They're like, these ladies, they just have their babies so quick. We weren't even there, uh, you know, and God's favor rests on them. They're spared, whatever. Well, then Pharaoh still is seeing what's going on. So he just makes this rule like, Hey, we're just going to kill all the baby boys. So just, I'm just going to send my people through. We're just going to kill them all. That's where we're going to pick up about this time. Uh, I'm just starting in verse one of chapter two of Exodus. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married and the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. 
She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. And soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. You know, when you read this story as a mother, it messes with you. And I see Moses's mom as this woman who did everything in her power, everything she could to protect this baby. She kept him hidden for three months. That's like a miracle in my books if you've ever had a baby. So she did everything she could until she could do nothing else except for let go of the basket. She walks down to the riverbank and puts her baby, her child, in a basket and then lets go. It's amazing. The surrender. But you guys, it is 80 years later on the bank of water when Moses has just led all of the Israelites out of slavery and the evil Egyptians, same bad guys, are coming to wipe them out. And everyone is freaking out. And do you know what Moses says on the bank of the water? The Lord will fight for you. You must only be still. Just be calm, he tells his people. The Lord will fight for you. Do you see? Do you see the correlation? That 80 years previous, his mother stood on the water bank with nothing else to do except for let go and trust that God was going to do something with this special gift. And her laid down life, her surrender, her willingness to calmly just say, 
I've done everything I can, and now it's up to the Lord. And to take her hands off, then lays a path for her son, 80 years later, to be in a situation where he has done everything he can. And to calmly say, the Lord will fight for us. What does he do? He raises his staff, the sea parts, and they're all spared. So I just want to propose to you this idea of a, of a life laid down, of surrender, of a posture, of being positioned in the yes, is not only for us, but for all of those around us and for future generations where we plant seeds into them so that when they come to their own water bank, where it looks like it's the end, they have something and someone that has gone before where they have hope, where they know, no, a life surrendered means that God all always shows up. It means that when I am positioned in the yes, that God does his part. Even when I'm standing, looking at a sea and the Egyptians are behind me, I will go through. It's the very way Moses's life started. And I never, I never thought about it. I'd never seen the correlation of his mom at the riverbank and then watching Moses at the bank of the Red Sea and, and watching very similar circumstances of just release. I mean, the Bible doesn't say Moses' mom could have been a hot mess, but she let go of the basket. She let go. I have an illustration that I'm going to do on the fly here. Is there a pen somewhere? We're going to we're going to wrap this up. It would help if I could write legibly. I don't even know if you'll be able to see this. What do you see, John? God is now here. He ruined the illustration. All right. I don't know if you can see all of this. That's good. You're positioned in the yes, man. All right, normally, I've done this one other time. You hold this up, it's, it's, it looks like God is nowhere. All right, so when you're like at the bank, when you are like, you've done all you can and there is nothing left to do except for just let go. Or you are at the bank of the Red Sea and the people are coming in. Your enemies are surrounding you and you get to that bank and you're like, God is nowhere. But like John said, if you read it a different way, it says God is now here. And sometimes we just need the perspective change in our own lives. Being positioned in the yes 
does that for us. Being positioned in a life of surrender, in living just in a yes towards the Lord and an affirmative living from the place of Jesus' finished work on the cross allows us to understand his presence with us. Where we don't have to have the freak out moment of, God is nowhere to be found and I'm about to die and it's going to be crazy like all the other Israelites were doing at the Red Sea. You should have just left us. At least there were graves in Egypt and now we're just going to be slaughtered out here. Like their, their complaining goes on and on. But when you have the moment of going, God is nowhere to God is now here. It changes it. It changes when you get to the point where there's nothing else that you can possibly do to make it better or do anything. Then it's only God at that point. Like God shows up or you're terminated. You know, God shows up and spares this baby in the basket or he's going to be killed. Or God shows up at the Red Sea or the Egyptians overtake the Israelites and they all die. I mean, like those are the options. And it's when you get to those moments in your life. We've all had those moments. If you think back to your life, the do or die moment where you've done everything you can and like only God can do this. When you have stage four cancer and you walk into a healing room, that's like, you standing at the bank of the river to say, I've done everything I possibly can. And now I'm going to be surrendered. I'm going to live in the yes. And then you go back to the doctor and you have no cancer. That's only God. And whether it's that dramatic or whether it's like I've held on to this thing of control in my life and I can't do it anymore and you're finally ready to surrender it, that can be just as significant. And so I just want to, I want you to think about what you need to put in the basket. Like, are you at that place in your life where you just need God to show up? where you need to just say yes. Where you can just walk into the water and take your hands off of it and watch him unfold something amazingly beautiful. Moses' mom could have never even dreamt of the plan that God made out of her surrender. I mean, really. The princess just happens to come out. She just happens to feel sorry for him. She hires Moses' mom to take care of him. She could have never dreamt it. She had no idea that that would be the outcome. When she took her hands off the basket, she knew, I may never see this again. So I want us to, to just respond I want us to respond by just making a fresh surrender. That if you're at a place where the enemy is closing in and you have no idea what to do next or where God is, I want you to have that moment this morning where you realize God is now here. Where he's with me. Where he's working for me.
and where you can surrender, where you can move into the finished work of Jesus and realize that I don't have to live in worry, anxiety, control, or fear. Because Jesus already paid for it. And I'm not, I'm not going to minimize anybody's life circumstances in here, but you can live without fear and worry. Did you know this? We can go through really big things and not be moved because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I want to be positioned in that yes. I want to be positioned in a yes where I'm fully surrendered to the Lord, where I'm willing to do whatever he says, even if it's something crazy, but where I'm also willing to just be hands off and let him do his thing and be God. He's so much better at it than I am. Will you stand this morning? Just change a position. Sometimes that's good. This is resonating with you this morning. This is how we're going to respond. I want you to just put your hand over your heart. I'm just going to pray for an impartation to be released to you. Uh, Because God does that and it's cool. So impartation is just like, I can just pray for God to give you something and he does it. He just puts it in your spirit. Okay, so now impartation is a spiritual thing. So whatever is, is prayed, prayed into you is now in your spirit, but you might have to do something in the physical to acknowledge it. But it's going to be there, and God is going to release something in you. Amen? God, I just impart right now perfect peace into every heart that's covered by a hand, God, that your Holy Spirit would come down and sit on every person. God, I pray that you would release supernatural peace into every situation, into every mind, into every heart, into every family dynamic. And God, with it, would you release a hope? Father, I just impart a a willingness to surrender. And a hunger to see you move. And I pray, Lord, as people would step out in that, that you would meet them. Where they haven't been able to see you, where they thought you weren't there, I pray right now, God, in everybody's mind, that you would begin to show them where you're at. In this circumstance, just where are you, Jesus? May that heal our hearts. May the awareness of your presence in our lives move us back to the yes. May we live our lives in surrender, not only because it's the way we're called to live, but for future generations who come behind us. May we lay our lives down 
so it becomes a pathway for them. And then they'll lay their life down and it will become a longer pathway for the next. Lord, we choose to release control this morning for every spirit of fear and every spirit of control that resides in any heart in this house, I pray that it would be broken in Jesus' name. That there would be a love encounter from heaven released in their hearts that allows no grip of fear or anxiety to stay. Thank you, God, for doing it. You know, as I'm praying for you, I, I'm just seeing a picture of, of like a, an oil being released just in your hearts and in your chest, just covering you. Lord, we will live laid down. We will be a people positioned in your yes. we will just let go of the basket. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like a specific prayer for anything, you're welcome to come on up. We would love to pray over you, spend a little bit more time specifically. But if not, you are free to go, and I pray that you go just with a renewed sense of hope for your future, for the things that you're facing. So be blessed as you go. Hug somebody, meet somebody new.